Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Every year as we gather on the resurrection of our Lord this Sunday, we hear the different accounts of the resurrection of Jesus. And one thing that's always striking to hear is the surprise of the people who saw the risen Lord. Now, in all four gospel accounts, we have an account of the resurrection, and it's in the three synoptic gospels, synoptic with the seeing with the same eye, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptics that have a lot of parallel text. There's at least one person or an angel who tells the women something in response to their surprise. Matthew's gospel tells us that the man said, do not be afraid. Mark records that the young man said, do not be alarmed. And in Luke, the men add even more, which comes from also our intro today from Luke 24. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Now, John's gospel records this interaction also between the angels and Mary Magdalene. In John's gospel, we hear they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And they said, or she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. So every one of these gospels then, all four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we hear this account, and then we look at this and we ask the question, Why? Why are these women surprised? Well, the answer is really not that complicated. In one way, shape, or form, they weren't listening and believing the word of God. Going back again to that reading from Luke, the question was asked and then answered and gives us a lot of insight into this. He said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. So in this whole thing, that first Easter Sunday, it's as if they were saying here, why are you guys surprised? The tomb's empty. Jesus told you this would happen. Now, sitting here some 2,000 years later, it's easy for us to look back and go, man, these women were pretty dense. My daughter made that sound back at me. So why didn't they listen to what Jesus said? It was pretty clear. But here's the thing. Are we any different than that? Well, the answer to that is an emphatic no. And if we're honest with ourselves and we start thinking about our lives, actually, we are much worse. And so God preaches to you today on this Easter Sunday in 2019. So do you listen to his word? Are you surprised? You see, God's not in the surprise business. He reveals his will. He reveals his work. He reveals his ways in the Holy Scriptures. And not only that, but they are clear. If the Bible wasn't clear, then we'd be in a whole lot of trouble. No, they are clear. They're inspired by God, the very breath of the Holy Spirit, containing no errors or contradictions. God's word is his word. And whether we believe it or not, it's the way it is. You think about somebody might not believe in gravity all he wants to, it doesn't make it any less true. 
He can go up to the top of a building, jump off of that building, and all the way down be saying, I don't believe in gravity, until he goes splat. Thomas, next week, the first Sunday after Easter, had his doubts that Jesus rose from the dead. So it didn't matter. He could have doubted all he wanted to. Jesus was and still is risen. God doesn't need our approval in any of this. He doesn't even need us to believe his word. He is the truth. He speaks the truth from all eternity. And so we see that God doesn't lie when Jesus says then in his whole word that no one comes to the Father except through him and that there is no other name in heaven and on earth by which man shall be saved. It's true. So on the last day then, there will be no surprise when those who have rejected Christ are forever in torment. It won't be like, boy, I wish we would have known this. He told us. Likewise, when God's law shows us our sin and listed in numerous places that if we continue in this sin, if we continue on that path to death, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's no surprise when people fall away from the Christian faith and God says to them, like he says in some of the parables, I never knew you, even though they had been baptized and confirmed. God's word teaches that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And that God keeps and gives us that faith through his word and sacraments. It's no wonder then when people are no longer Christians, when they stop coming to church, stop receiving these things. We wouldn't be surprised if somebody stopped eating and drinking and then wasted away and died. Those things happen. So God tells us all of this in his word. It's no surprise. But still, we come up with so many false notions and ideas that are just flat out wrong against his word. And they make up showing up at the empty tomb, expecting to find Jesus, just look like a simple lapse in memory. In our day and age, biblical illiteracy, even among those who belong to a church, is staggering. Each year, it's just sad how the people do not know the scriptures. I'm not talking about being a theologian or anything like that, but even just basic Bible stories that were given just given that, given that people would know, now they seem so far out of our minds. There's always a problem when if you can name the starting lineup of the Cleveland Indians, which you probably can't, and I'd be surprised if you could, or any, pick your favorite sports team, but yet basic Bible stories? What about those? But the hilarious thing, though, it's kind of interesting and sad at the same time, Watch a news story on any major news network. It doesn't matter what it is. Or listen to a politician anytime he starts talking about something pertaining to the Bible and Christianity. The minute you see that, if you have a chance, stop it for a minute. Make some popcorn, put up your feet, and get ready to watch a train wreck. Because it's almost to the point, though, that you kind of get that awkward feeling in your stomach. Like, boy, just I almost feel sorry for the person. It's, they clearly do not know what they are talking about at all. But that's the spirit of willful ignorance toward anything relating to the word of God. In our minds, those things are, well, whatever. We do the same. And then when we are confronted by God's word, when God does tell us something, what his word says, be it against then our own lifestyle or against our own personal agenda, then we'll say something like, well, you know, that's unclear or that's just your interpretation. So confronted with errors and sin that clearly goes against God's word, we'll try to write it off, ignore it. Or we may even go so far as to mock and blaspheme God with saying something like, well, that's just, or you'll just have to take that up with my creator, as if God is the author of sin. 
Lord, have mercy on us. God calls us to repent. He calls us to not be complacent in our sin and in our stubbornness and our just total apathy towards these things. The angel told them, remember what the Lord said to you. In order to remember something, you actually have to have heard it in the first place. And so we humble ourselves because something else that God tells us is that he doesn't desire our death, but that we turn from our sin and live. And so the women went to the tomb and they found it empty. The Lord did appear to them and they believed in the resurrection through the word preached to them. Now in the readings appointed for this for Easter evening, on Easter you have readings appointed for last night at the vigil, this morning for Easter sunrise during the day, Easter evening, and then the subsequent days. It's all these readings that are appointed. And from later in Luke chapter 24, there's an encounter as Jesus meets these two guys who are coming out of the road from Jerusalem. And he, they're kept from knowing that it's Jesus at first. So what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about the goings-on. They didn't have Facebook to kind of scroll through the list and see Jesus, you know, when he marks his place as not longer in the tomb. No, they heard it firsthand. And they're going, what's the deal with all of this? What, what's all this commotion? And then Jesus just kind of sits back and he watches this whole discussion for a while. And then later he says to them, he says, Oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the thing concerning himself. He told these guys, like the angels told the women, it's what God said he was going to do, guys. Don't be surprised. And so on this day as we gather together, we know that Jesus did really rise from the dead, physically, just as he said, just as he said on numerous occasions. This is the day that Isaiah spoke of when he said, it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And so it's no surprise that God preaches this to you today, just as he himself preached it to his disciples, as he preached it to the apostles, then he sent out the apostles to preach it into all the world, and making disciples by baptizing and teaching, learning and teaching go apart with following, go together with following Christ. It goes with baptism. So everything in the scriptures sees its fulfillment in Jesus, the spotless lamb of God who is crucified and risen. He is the Lord who has done it. Beholding the empty tomb, we look at it and we say, yep, knew that one was coming. Knew he was going to do that. His word tells us. So this day, the day of resurrection of our Lord, is all about what is known. And it's also about the future, which is also known because of Jesus rising from the dead. So beholding the crucified Christ, then, you see God's wrath against your sin atoned for. You see that you have peace with God. When Jesus stands victoriously from the grave, you have the amen, so to speak, that good, of Good Friday. Jesus cried out, it is finished, and the Lord of all suffered and died for you. His work is complete, and even the grave cannot hold him. He lives victoriously, just as he said he would. And then, in this too, you see what is your future. You see that on the last day, you will stand up from your grave, clinging to Christ and faith toward the word of, clinging in faith in Christ through the word of God, 
Through his means of grace, you have the benefits of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And God promises you through these things and delivers these things through you as you go through this life. Even as you lay on your deathbed and you face your own death and the prospect of your own open grave, you see Jesus. You see him as he has washed you in baptism, as you've been crucified and risen with him. So then in your eyes, through faith, you see Christ looking towards the future, not with trepidation, not with fear, not with unknowing, not with a sense of, boy, I wonder what's going to happen, but rather with yearning, with longing, with eagerness, for that day can't come soon enough. That's because we're looking forward to our Easter day. Because on that day, you're not going to be surprised what the Lord will say to you. As he says, rise. God's judgment for you in Christ Jesus is forgiveness, life, and salvation. Really, the only surprise on that day after he's raised us from the dead it will be the glory that he's prepared for us that we can't even begin to imagine. So how all of this can be is a mystery. That is, it's only understood in faith, worked by the Holy Spirit through the word. Apart from faith, all of this is nonsense. And St. Paul says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is in vain. And he says, we're all to be pitied. So if all of this is just some made-up thing, then we're just wasting our time. But you see, because this is God's word, because it is true, we know that it is true and certain. This morning, if you looked at the news, you saw that in Sri Lanka, over 200 people were killed in churches. Terrorists set bombs off in churches on Easter Sunday because they knew they would be crowded. There were threats ahead of time. But what did the people do? They went to church. Why? Because, you see, even as those people invoked death, the Christians invoked life in the midst of death. Their Lord is the risen Lord. And so Paul tells us what will be on the last day in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the confidence that we have as Jesus is risen from the grave. That's the confidence that is the Easter joy. It's the confidence of Job, who lost so much in his life, but yet he says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. He knew Jesus was going to rise from the dead, even in the Old Testament. And that's the same confidence that you have that's found in your risen Savior, Jesus. It's having your Lord for you in Christ. And no one or no thing can tear that away from you, even death. Paul Gerhardt, the great Lutheran pastor and hymn writer who lost many of his children and his wife during a life that many would look at and say it sounded like a bad country song, losing all these things. 
But he also wrote these great words on an Easter hymn. He puts what we have this day in this way. He says, This is the sight that gladdens, what peace it doth impart. Now nothing ever saddens the joy within my heart. No gloom shall ever shake, no foe shall ever take the hope which God's own Son and love for me has won. So think about that for a minute. No foe, no gloom, no sin, death, or the devil can take the joy that Jesus has risen from the grave out of our minds, even at the loss of our own family. So what a joy that day is then. The tomb is empty this day. It's no surprise. It's the Lord who is faithful and he has done it just as he said. This sight is all that God said it would be and more. And this sight shows what your future will be as well. Your future is also an empty grave as you will rise from your graves. For Jesus has done it just as he said he would do. Sin is atoned for. Death is defeated. The devil is crushed under the foot of Jesus and his cross. The victory has been won. It's yours now and forever.